This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, my name is Stephanie Harris, and I'll be your host today for this episode of Global Ambitions. Our guest today is Anna Woodward, who is the founder and managing director at Chili Store. Our topic today is quality and localization. Anna, welcome to the program. Hi, Stephanie. Well, first of all, I hear that this month is Chili Store's 10-year anniversary, so congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about what the company does and how you founded it to address these sort of quality issues in the localization industry. Sure. So my background is in localization for the past 25 years, and half of it dedicated to quality management and localization. So about 10 years ago, I was feeling a little frustrated about LQA, QA, localization quality. And I co-founded this company. Chili Store is a company dedicated to content quality management, content creation, and international SEO today. We are, I say we are the translation agency that translates nothing because we don't, <laughs> we do create <laughs> content, but yeah, mostly we are here for the LQA quality assurance of translated content. Some of us have a, an agile background. So the company was founded on the agile values of transparency, collaboration, flexibility, and we base our quality on the total quality management system applied to localization. Yeah, so okay. the difference, I think the difference that Chili Store has is we work directly with freelancers and we build a community of freelancers for our clients. We build a whole framework on quality that helps bring LQA as a plan, as a program for our clients. So the main reason for founding the company is really frustration with uh, seeing LQA as a task, as an inspection step on the organization workflow. So LQA should be a program, a plan, or a strategy. It's not uh, inspection. It's a very risk-prone to depend on inspection for your quality. So we wanted right. to really be able to bring uh, LQA as a strategy to trans- right. translate the content. Yeah. Well, and obviously you've been pretty successful. I'm sure you have lots of challenges that you have overcome in these past 10 years. What are sort of the biggest issues that you faced with this topic of, of quality? Yeah, the, the biggest issue is not because we founded a company that LQA magically became <laughs> a, a strategy <laughs> for anyone. So uh, it was a bit of an uphill battle. So the biggest challenge is to bring LQA as a program, as a plan, as a strategy, not just as a step. This Here's a review, a pass and fail scorecard, and the end of. So that was the biggest challenge. One of the biggest challenges as well was the complete lack of transparency in the localization industry, where translation buyers don't know who's doing the actual work. So translators are not known. So bringing any type of plan, any type of feedback involving agents that you don't know who they are was really, really challenging. Why do you think that people have been reluctant to be transparent in the industry in the past? What's been the big roadblock there? Yes, I think that the this move towards seeing translation as a product, as a commodity, 
um, meant that the service aspect of it went out the window a little bit. Mm. So to be able to be more, let's call it cost efficient, the service uh-huh. aspect of translation had to, to go out. So rather than you having project managers or vendor managers that have to deal with 100 freelance translators, it would be more effective for you to contact contracts only 10 smaller single language providers and those might even contract smaller even agencies so there is a, a lot of distance between now the the LSP providing the translation and the person actually doing the translation mm-hmm. so the service aspect is out of it and as you started looking at getting around these issues and going forward, I'm sure you had lots of ideas and lots of things that you wanted to try out. Is there anything that you would recommend that our listeners say, hey, don't stay away from this particular thing because that didn't work out for us or anything that they should be mindful about if they want to try to have this more transparent process and strategy like you've been mentioning? Yeah, so when we started, it was pretty uncharted territory. So what we wanted to do was a bit ambitious. It wasn't Mm -hmm. uh, being done. So we did uh, stumble across a lot of obstacles. We tried several approaches. And I think the the biggest lesson after these (laughs) these, uh, colorful 10 years is Uh that have an actual action-oriented plan. So what happens a lot in terms of discussions around quality is that a lot of the discussions are around one step or one process or maybe the color of the scorecards or maybe who (laughs) does this. Yeah, rather than the quality itself. So you might waste one hour of your time discussing all of the aspects around the quality plan, but not discussing quality itself. So have an action-oriented plan. So there's this problem what we're going to do next about this problem. So be mindful that the discussion is not oriented towards everything else around it. The other thing that we have and we, we, all of our clients, we we do not have a pass and fail uh, strategy anymore. Mm. Uh, It's a little bit of a dead end because if you get a pass, even though your scorecard might have 20 issues, well, it's a pass. (laughs) Let's Mm -hmm. not talk about this anymore. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, right. So we have a bit more of a granular approach in terms of needs improvement. It needs a bit more of this. It's a bit less of that. So have a granular approach and and ditch the, the pass and fail if you can. It sounds like feedback is really the most important thing in this whole quality process. And doing that right is really the magic that will make your whole strategy, your whole system work. How, how do you do feedback in a way that actually works and people are receptive to and you can improve that quality over time? Yeah, traditionally, the feedback on quality comes in spreadsheets. So here's a, a file with my comment. People can get very bold. Comments can get a bit disrespectful sometimes. And so so the reply to that is not really good. Uh, there's a myopic approach because usually is feedback on this one single issue here and then a feedback on this other single issue here. It is not the best way to have feedback, really. So And it leads to this arbitration thing, this arbitration phase. And then sometimes client is pulled into this arbitration phase for a language that they know nothing about. And it's very stressful for everybody. So we have a framework, a language ownership framework, in which 
again, we will we'll push for transparency. So we work directly with freelancers only. They're transparent from day one. Our clients know who they are, can access them. We know who they are. We have a very long training and onboarding phase for, for these guys. So, so mm-hmm. what we push for is that our reviewers, our subject matter experts meet directly with translators and that this meeting is about language and that this meeting is in their own language and mm-hmm. not supervised by a project manager or a client, which will make everybody shy. And that they can discuss in a proactive way on an agenda based on what are the gaps that we're seeing, what are the trends that we're seeing, rather than pointing fingers, there's this mistake here, how dare you do this mistake, make this mistake. So it's more about trends, it's more about gaps, it's more about what can we do to help, or are you lacking any training? So face-to-face, to to do face-to-face, you really need transparency, and and that's also a big gap to overcome. So there's a a period of uh, overcoming this challenge of, you know, who exactly did this translation? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but you know what? We avoid completely this so-called arbitration phase. We we don't usually use this this term. Even everything is discussed on the language ownership meetings, and there is a continuous improvement mindset that comes out of that, which is completely the opposite of fighting or conflicts inside a scorecard, for instance. Right. This yeah. sort of people people first approach where yeah, you're yeah. discussing things. That, that sounds great. Have your clients seen a much faster improvement over time from their translation qualities? Or how has that actually played out? They've seen an improvement, yeah, and much faster and an improvement that lasts for sure. Mm-hmm. Because traditionally what they were getting, they might get here at uh, 50 scorecards, half of them are a pass, the other half is a fail. Then they bring this to their translation vendors and the translation vendors are equally surprised with a pass or a fail. (laughs) And you say, oh, here's a fail. Oh, yeah, here's a pass. Mm, Equally surprised because uh, there's no control, right? So if there's no control, your result could be anything. So... And then nothing much would change after that. If you if there's no control, if you don't know why that was a failed translation or a poor scoring translation or why that was a good translation, you can't improve if you don't even know why was that good. What did you do well right. in the first place? So what we establish is uh, end-to-end what should be in place, what are the best practices, and we start to uncover also what did you do well here that, you know, this is a, a good translation. So a, a lot of the time we also inform them of what the good translators are that they are employed. And mm-hmm. yes, they do see not only an in, an increase in the quality that they are registering, but they're also in communication, also in this continuous improvement mindset that starts to permeate everything. So after a while, we can look not only at uh, improving from fails to pass, but also training and onboarding and what other services can we add here? What else can be done here? Can my translations now be optimized for SEO? Mm -hmm. And the most exciting is once we reach this good is moving these translations, this content from good to excellent. So how do we move to this space in which, like, from good to great, from good to excellent, a space where a reader cannot tell this is a translation anymore, this is so good, or doesn't even think there's a translation behind that. It just sounds local, it just feels local, and it's what delights the customer, right, after all. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. overall improvement usually, yeah. Oh, that's great. So is, you know, here's kind of my last question, but did you have any other advice of things that you've done that's been really successful that you would recommend people duplicate? Um, yes. So I think that the first thing that if if you are listening to this because you're starting a company or you are defining a new group or a team is define what are your team values. So what are the values that define your culture? And uh, I'll be honest here, we have team values that are people values. So we don't have an overall, our company has this value. So I don't believe company have, have values. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're not people. So people have values. So sit down and talk about the, what are the values defining the culture? Because if you don't define the culture, it is defined by the behaviors. And and the behaviors right. sometimes are not the best behaviors, right? So sit down, uh, go through the values for everyone, see where they are challenging. So when we sit down to discuss values, we also discuss what are the challenges with these values because you can have very well-intentioned values and, and they might be very difficult to implement in real life. So I'd say don't let behavior define your culture. Have a think about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of really good insights into this topic. I'm sure folks might want to learn a little bit more or have follow-up questions. Is Where can they go? Is there somewhere online that they can go to check out more mm-hmm. of what Chili Store does and, and your insights? Yeah, we have some some very interesting, very nice posts on our blog page. So chilistar.com, find the blog. Uh, we talk a lot about quality, about LQAs, about values. And this month of February, we're also launching a, a very long post about LQA strategy and LQA planning. Okay. Why? What, what is LQA after all? And why should you bother with it? Right? Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on this show. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much, Stephanie. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.